Bitcoin is under $20,000 again. The chairman of the Federal Reserve made the absurd statement that he apparently didn't understand inflation until just now. The European Union cracks down enforcing stricter versions of the so-called travel rule. And the SEC rejects Grayscale Investment Trust's bid to become the first spot-traded Bitcoin ETF. Oh, and we're coming to you a day late. That and more on today's episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. Hello, you sexy sat stackers, and wait, welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin Bulletin Podcast. We are coming to you a day late. Today is Thursday, June 30th, 2022. I did, however, manage to actually make my DCA Wednesday stack last night. Long story short, I was basically spent all day driving two-lane country roads in the deep south of the United States and often had just one bar of data if I was lucky. So I was able to squeeze off my stack, and uh, but I wasn't able to get the podcast recorded and uploaded. So I apologize for getting it too late. Uh, real quick, we uh, look at the vital statistics. Right now, at the time of this recording, we are sitting at a block height of 743085 Bitcoin is back under $20,000, currently at $19,056 per Bitcoin, or 5,254 sats per cuckbuck. Correspondingly, if you wanted to purchase Bitcoin with your shiny metal rocks, it's going to cost you 10.5 ounces of gold to buy one Bitcoin. And if you're hungry for pizza, if you're feeling like uh, Laszlo, it will cost you, well, or it won't cost you, you will you will be able to purchase 1,142 Papa John's for just one Bitcoin. And the price of oil per barrel is, is up quite a bit since last Wednesday. Uh, last Wednesday, Bitcoin was trading for 111 US dollars per barrel, and it's now $114.80 per barrel. Uh, but uh, that you will still be able to score uh, one, a whopping 165.99 barrels of oil per Bitcoin at a rate of 603,159 sats per barrel. Bitcoin's market cap is down just a little bit from last week to $363.3 billion. Obviously, just a third of that $1 trillion market cap that we hit when Bitcoin set that all-time high of around $69,000 last fall. The mempool is wide open at the moment. Uh, there is less than one. There are less than one blocks worth of transactions pending. Of course, we just had a block. Um, that being said, uh, the uh, well, the the calculator is the fee estimator is estimating that it'll take 14 sats per byte to guarantee that your transaction will be in the next block. But with less than a block's worth of transactions currently pending at the moment, at least one sat per byte transactions will still clear immediately. Um, and it's estimating they'll clear within 24 hours. But right now, obviously, it looks like any block out there will be included. Any transaction out there will be included in the next block. 
The metric that you know I like to follow, the 24-hour transaction rate is important. It's much improved from last week. Last week, we dipped below that magic number of three transactions per second. We were at 2.94. Currently, we're humming along at 3.18 transactions per second on-chain. And that is, uh, that's healthy. That's indicative of healthy on-chain activity. Obviously, it does not include lightning transactions or trading back and forth in, you know, a, in, a, in an exchange's liquidity pool. Obviously, if you're purchasing and holding at an exchange, that Bitcoin never, uh, that never, well, it's not actually yours. Uh, you're just trading IOUs, and so that doesn't reflect in on-chain volume. We are approximately five days, six days away from the next difficulty adjustment. Of course, the last difficulty adjustment was a downward increase of 2.4%. The Bitcoin's mining difficulty is adjusted every 2016 blocks, or theoretically about every two weeks. And that, of course, is to maintain the target goal of 10 minute per block uh, times. And we are, what are we, 819 blocks until the next difficulty adjustment. Last week, it was all over the place because we were so far away from a difficulty adjustment, it was pretty much impossible to, uh, to guess what that was going to be. Now that we're a lot closer, it's still anywhere from a minus 0.65% decrease 0.65% decrease in difficulty to an increase of 1.5%. So I guess that remains to be seen. We'll find out sometime around July 6th. But currently, blocks are averaging 9 minutes and 51 seconds. Obviously, that's a little faster than Bitcoin is programmed. Uh, so, uh, you know, if it doesn't, uh, if it stays at around 9 minutes and 51 seconds, we'll get a, a, a uh, difficulty increase. But um, last week, we were averaging 6 minutes and 59 seconds, so uh, mining times have stretched out closer to that 10-minute goal in the last seven days. All right, as I mentioned, um, I was on the road yesterday, stuck in the deep south of the United States, and the weather was absolutely horrible, just pouring rain uh, everywhere I went. Uh, we did, however, manage to pull off our purchase, and at that time... Bitcoin was at a block height of 742,939 and Bitcoin was worth $20,050 or $20,050 or 4,988 sats per dollar and obviously it has gone down a tiny bit since then. However, uh, we're pretty much consistent with where we were a week ago. So uh, a week ago on DCA Wednesday we purchased Bitcoin for $19,949. So even though it went up um, and then quote unquote crashed again, according to a lot of the media sources, we're pretty much exactly where we were one week ago. And Bitcoin has been languishing in the plus or minus $20,000 range for uh, at least three weeks now. Before we get any further, I want to remind you that we are available on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app or the Breeze Wallet. And along those lines, uh, we have had several people streaming us sats, and we also had one of you send us a boost. And when you send a boost, you can do so as a message. Um, and we have, well, uh, the message is, um, it's signed by just the generic, what looks like a Breeze wallet address. So uh, they didn't leave a name, so I'm not sure if they, they don't want me to, I'm not going to dox somebody's Breeze wallet address. Um, 
but um, we did get uh, we did get a boost, and thank you very much for that user. I won't I won't dox you, but thank you. And the message is as follows: Incredible bulletin. Let's go BTC. There are market cycles, but the fundamental fundamentals are on fire, like as forever. And that is certainly true. You know, Bitcoin's the price is way down, quote unquote. If you bought at the high of sixty nine thousand, or even if you bought. You know, even for us, I mean, I think our, our cost basis right now is around 42000 per coin for this stack. But there's a lot positive going on for Bitcoin. The news might seem like it's doom and gloom, but that's, of course, because, you know, the media, the media thrives on fear porn. Uh, you know, good news never, never gets played. And, of course, you know, governments out there, they say that, that uh, you know, Bitcoin has already won. Or the governments aren't necessarily going to try and attack Bitcoin. And I've said repeatedly they are attacking Bitcoin, and how they're doing it is they're just trying to make it inconvenient. They know they can't flat out ban it, but if they just make it a pain in the tuchus, um, then hopefully they can keep it either captured or keep their thumb on it as long as possible. You know, the government's into kicking things, kicking the can down the road when it comes to a lot of things like the national debt, like what we saw with inflation, etc. So even if they did have grandiose dreams of squashing Bitcoin one day, uh, the government usually does things in slow, protracted, bureaucratic measures anyway. Um, like, for example, the European Union is bragging about finally coming to agreement on their enforcement of the travel rule when it comes to Bitcoin. And basically in Europe, they're going to make it a pain in the butt for you to um, to send Bitcoin back and forth, that if you send it, they're going to require you have the personal information and the entire transaction history of the Bitcoin for the for every forever for in perpetuity. Uh, and making it as difficult as possible for exchanges so that they will uh, probably ban you from withdrawing to wallets that, that are not um, identified, that they don't know who, who holds that wallet. Um, and that might seem like a bad thing, but in the long run, that's actually a good thing. I mean, if, if you're encouraging people to get their... We've been encouraging people to get their Bitcoin off exchanges. Everyone's been encouraging uh, people to get their Bitcoin off exchanges. You know, the whole not your keys, not your coins thing. But uh, the European Union is going to, they're basically telling you, get your coins off exchanges, otherwise you might not be able to in the future. And uh, they can go ahead and make themselves irrelevant. And we will, you know, as they say, life finds a way, Bitcoin finds a way. It was never really intended to be an, a commodity that was just traded back and forth on exchanges. Bitcoin's supposed to be a peer-to-peer -peer currency. Obviously, um, you know, it's... It, that was that was Satoshi's entire vision was a was quote unquote a, a, a P2P digital currency. So um, the European Union, if they're gonna they're, if they're gonna force you to use Bitcoin as its intended purpose, that is not necessarily a bad thing. Again, um, a lot of the whole price action, in my opinion, is it appears that we're just following those four year cycles again. Uh, I have some theories about why we had a double top and why we didn't hit uh, why we didn't hit plan B's 100k or or greater price target and who knows whether that's right or not my personal my personal belief as I've mentioned before is that we got an early start a little bit of an early kickoff when Elon Musk came out you know made his big Bitcoin announcement that Tesla and SpaceX and he were holding Bitcoin uh, so that maybe was a little premature and then China came out with their mining crackdown FUD and there was just so much FUD that that kind of and then Elon back down when he when he when he faced the onslaught from all this you know the uh, ESG warriors saying that he was you know the bitcoin is dirty bitcoin pollutes and therefore um, you know, he backed off on Tesla accepting bitcoin for payment uh, so that fizzled for a bit and then we about the time we should have had us our 
we should have been nearing um, a new all-time high. We we climbed up again, and that's when we hit that $69,000 high. But, you know, every market cycle, while they say that history doesn't repeat it rhymes, is, is a little different. And so um, I think if you would have taken that graph and started the chart a little bit later than the Elon pump, uh, and then we would maybe have started coming down about the time we did come start coming down from the sixty nine thousand. There, if you connect the two peaks, we might have shot a little higher, and that and that and that would that feasibly could have been over a hundred thousand dollars easily. Even if we had hit a hundred and fifty thousand, two hundred thousand, and continued to follow the four year cycle theory, we were in for an eighty percent crash, which would have knocked us well under that sixty nine thousand dollar price tag right now. The only thing that is different is that Bitcoin has never gone below its all-time high, its previous all-time high before, which we have. Um, but again, uh, that's kind of almost a technicality um, at this point. However, you know, the two-year, the four-year cycles, the downslide, the bear market is also not usually over this fast. So uh, normally, like if you remember 2017, we went all the way up to almost 20,000 in December. And then Bitcoin crashed, you know, it was down to first, it was down to, you know, the teens, 16, 15, 12, but stayed around 10,000. Then it went down under 10,000 for a while. And then it went above 10,000 and into like 12 or 13 again, if I remember prop properly, and then back down to around eight. And then it kind of stayed in the six to eight range for like a year-ish. And then, uh, of course, it had that sudden capitulation down to 3,000. And then, then, then the, ha the next halving cycle started. So, uh, we could be in for a long bear market. Who knows? Uh, the way I look at it is good. As I've mentioned before, you know, everybody has that that personal Bitcoin stash goal. Um, and then that goal tends to be a moving target and change. And it certainly has for me. Uh, I have, uh, I had, you know, worries that when Bitcoin was approaching 69,000, that I was never going to hit my goal. Um, and now I think I actually will be able to hit my goal and that's exciting. So, and if Bitcoin drops, I mean, if Bitcoin, if Bitcoin has a huge capitulation event and we see like $10,000 per Bitcoin again, yeah, anybody need a kidney? Because I'm going to do whatever it takes to buy a whole coin in one fell swoop. Uh, you know, if that, that would just be amazing because, uh, everybody, I mean, not everybody is an early adopter with a stash of, of dozens of coins or hundreds of coins or thousands of coins. A lot of people would, you know, I, well, I was just reading on Reddit uh, last night. Somebody had posted one of those posts that are usually frowned upon. You know, the whole don't post how much Bitcoin you have, because while you might not think it's a lot today, 10 years from now, that might be enough to make you a target. Uh, I don't have a personal opinion on that one way or another, because Reddit is supposed to be kind of anonymous anyway. But the post was that they had finally achieved their goal, which was uh, 0.1 Bitcoin. Uh, and you know, 0.1 Bitcoin at $69,000 a Bitcoin would be $6,900, which is a lot of money. 0.1 Bitcoin, if it Bitcoin goes down to 10,000, would only be $1,000. And that's still a lot of money, but not way unobtainable. Like, you know, $6,000 is, you know, that's, that's for some people, that's, that, that's more than their car costs. Um, you know, for others, six, 6,900 isn't, isn't a big deal or 69,000 wasn't even a big deal along those lines. Michael Saylor bought the dip, announcing that uh, they just bought another $10 million worth of Bitcoin. So obviously, uh, you know, part of the FUD was for the longest time that, well, first, you know, Celsius was going to get shaken out and all, we saw all that sort of stuff come true. But 
the big FUD was what's going to happen to Bitcoin when, you know, when when um, MicroStrategy gets liquidated or Michael Saylor sells and everybody realizes that, you know, he's lost his faith that when he said he was going to hold forever, Laura, forever, um, that maybe that wasn't really true. And I think he's just shown us that his conviction runs a little stronger than a lot of the naysayers might think because he's adding to his stack. Um uh, Along the news, besides just price news today, the Federal Reserve came out with just an absolutely dumbfounding statement uh, when they were meeting in Europe. Uh, Christine Lagarde said some interesting things too, but uh, Jerome Powell said, quote, I think we now understand better how little we understand about inflation. Uh, Basically saying that uh, they didn't realize that expanding the money supply would have an effect on inflation, that they thought there would be disinflationary factors that would go on forever, and that, oops, they were wrong. And how could they ever have known that printing all that money would lead to runaway inflation? Of course, how they could have known was by looking at Bitcoin Twitter or Reddit or online, because all of the Bitcoin maxis out there, you know, and even the non-maxis, the money printer go burr memes have been around for years now, right? At least two years Um, So everyone was saying, you know, hey, supply and demand, idiot. If you print more money, if you double the money supply, if there's twice as many dollars and the same amount of goods, those goods are going to be worth less or the goods are going to cost more. The dollars are going to be worth less. You know, supply and demand is pretty basic economics. Even if you haven't taken economics in college or have an economics degree or even had a specific economics course in even primary school, everybody's heard the term supply and demand. And supply and demand is two factors, supply and demand. Of course, supply being the goods that are getting more expensive and demand being represented by how many dollars are chasing those goods. If there's more dollars chasing those goods, the dollar's gonna buy fewer goods. Uh, And of course, I'm preaching to the choir here, but apparently the uh, government would like you to believe that they didn't realize that. Of course, I've said all along, I think they realize that this is absolutely on purpose. They need inflation because in order to keep spending money that they don't have, they need to inflate it away. Uh, Last week, somebody had posted on one of the Bitcoin forums somewhere, I don't remember now, but it was an old clipping of, um, I, I don't remember what it was, but it was obviously Florida. They were homes with palm trees and stuff in the background, very tropical looking. Uh, And uh, it was like um, seven thousand dollars, a seven thousand four hundred and fifty dollars for a two-bedroom, one-bathroom house with a screened porch and a carport, and your house payment was going to be a whopping forty-seven dollars and ninety-two cents a month, uh, or a three-bedroom house for seven thousand nine hundred dollars a month, and you know houses haven't gotten more expensive. Your money has just gotten more worthless. And I think uh, if you are a Bitcoiner, you already understand that. Uh, If you're just learning about Bitcoin, that's one of the things that makes Bitcoin so amazing is that it is not an inflationary currency. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin, the majority of which have already been mined. Um, So there's very little Bitcoin, new Bitcoin in the grand scheme of things. Every four years, the amount of Bitcoin that is rewarded to miners for finding a new block is cut in half, hence the four-year halving cycle. The next halving will be in 2024, and we'll start the cycle all over again uh, when Bitcoin, the Bitcoin reward will be just a little over three Bitcoin per block found as opposed to the 6.25 or 
whatever that it is currently. Um, so I guess um, along in the positive, cheery government news and the, the government's making Bitcoin more uh, difficult to purchase, the SEC finally rejected Grayscale Investment Trust's bid to turn their trust into a spot Bitcoin ETF, what would be the first spot Bitcoin ETF approved in the United States. Of course, there are Bitcoin futures ETFs approved in the United States, uh, betting, uh, f- uh, betting for and against Bitcoin on paper. There are spot Bitcoin ETFs in the rest of the world. Uh, there are, you know, there, there are not no bit spot ETFs in existence. Uh, a lot of times people in the United States tend to live in a bubble. And that's a legitimate mindset in many ways, because still the vast majority of Bitcoin use uh, is occurring in the United States. Although I think that's being rapidly eclipsed by in places like Africa, and hopefully in places like Venezuela. But um, people tend to especially in the United States. I know this irritates the hell out of Europeans, but people seem to, well, even Europeans would like to see the U.S. get, you know, around to approving an ETF because they think it will rally the price of Bitcoin. And maybe it will. Currently, Grayscale has filed a petition for review with the United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia saying, quote, the SEC is acting arbitrarily and capriciously in violation of the Administrative Procedures and Securities Exchange Act of 1934, adding that if regulators are comfortable with ETFs that hold derivatives of a given asset, they should logically be comfortable with ETFs that hold the same asset. Um, Of course, you're giving government too much credit, assuming that they would do anything consistently that, you know, if they make one decision one day that they would logically make the same decision the next day. If you have dealt with any regulatory bodies of the federal government or probably even your state or local government, you know that that is anything but true. And of course, the SEC also rejected the Bitwise ETF application. So as it stands in the United States, there will probably not be any spot Bitcoin ETFs in the near future. And if you're counting on an ETF to pump the price of Bitcoin, uh, now is probably not the best time anyway, because you know, if we follow that four-year having cycle, if we just got a little artificial bump right now, you know it would go right back down. So ideally, if you're hoping that the SEC is going to pump the price of Bitcoin, uh, the best time to see that would be after the 2024 halving, because that's when Bitcoin's going to be primed to rocket in value again, if you know history repeats or rhymes. So you know, I personally don't care. I don't think that the more you let and the more you let Wall Street bankers and brokers and hedge fund managers and day traders, you know, control the flow of Bitcoin, the more Bitcoin they soak up, the more Bitcoin that they take off the market for, you know, the re- average retail investor, the worse, right? It's supposed to be a peer-to-peer currency, which means the little guy is supposed to have his chance to get Bitcoin. And the longer, uh, it, the longer, the more difficult the government makes it for the banks to you know, mop up all that Bitcoin, the better it's going to be in the long run. Uh, So stack that coin while you have the chance and consider this price, you know, this depressed price, a gift from the gods. And the news just keeps getting worse, right? (laughs) I, again, I don't care. And I'll explain again later why I think this is actually good for Bitcoin. But according to a report from NBC news, the state of New York has denied uh, green ridges, quote-unquote, controversial Bitcoin mining facility at Seneca Lake in the Finger Lakes region. Um, Obviously, they've been operating a natural gas plant 
powering their Bitcoin mine facility facility in New York. New York has been cracking down. You know, they banned any new Bitcoin mining permits as it was. And now they've basically, they haven't revoked the permit for the existing mine, but they have not renewed the permit, which is functionally the same thing. Um, Green Ridge, of course, says they will continue to operate the plant while they challenge or appeal this decision. But Bitcoin doesn't need the state of New York. You know, there are lots of different states. There's 50 of them, and all of them are different in some ways. I think you would not compare the rules. If you tried to compare the, the rules on anything in like Texas or Florida versus California or New York, you can see they are just radically different when it comes to just about everything. And that's the great thing about the United States. We have 50 different experiments. And if you want to live in a state that controls your money and controls the things you can do, uh, we saw it in the, the pandemic. Some states wanted you to stay in your house and wear your mask and get triple jabbed or whatever the case would be. And other states like Florida opened right up. Uh, and life here in sunny Florida was uh, basically, you know, we had, we had effects and, you know, the economy was repressed by the cruise industry and all that, taking it, you know, taking a, a pause. But other than that, walking around day-to-day -day life in, in, in the states, in some states, it was completely normal. And then when you would travel out of that state, it felt like you were traveling into a science fiction novel. It was just mind-boggling. I was fortunate to spend most of the, uh, most of the pandemic not in the states that were hyper-restrictive. I did, however, go to a few places that were ultra restrictive for a week or two at a time. It was really weird not being allowed into a restaurant because I didn't have a card with me. Um, but um, like I said, there are 50 different states. They can have their different rules. Bitcoin doesn't care. If you want to outlaw Bitcoin in New York, all you're doing is hurting New Yorkers. You're not hurting Bitcoin. The miners will just pick up and move. And you could see that with, I believe it's marathon mining that... Um, is completely relocating out of Montana because they're having issues with their power supplier up there. I'm not, uh, I think it, it's maybe it's maintenance related or, or I don't remember. But the fact of the matter is they're completely picking up and moving to Texas. Uh, and maybe Green Ridge will do the same thing. And that will not hurt Bitcoin at all. That will just hurt New York. All right. Uh, I said I was going to make this short and sweet and I'm already not short. Hopefully I'm staying sweet. <laughs> Uh, the reason we're here is because it was DCA Wednesday. It's now Thursday. Uh, however, I did make my DCA purchase. And if you were just joining us and you're asking, what is DCA? DCA is an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals, regardless of price. For example, this is going to be our 49th stack. We started stacking $20 worth of Bitcoin every Wednesday back on July 28th. Not quite a year now. So far, we've stacked 48 times, just $20 at a whack, but that $20 is our equal portion. Wednesday is our regular intervals. As they say, do your own research, you do you. Some people dollar cost average every paycheck, whether that's weekly or bi-weekly. Uh, it seems every two weeks seems to be kind of the standard in the United States for paydays. Some people are stacking every day. There are services that'll let you stack hourly. Um, for us, I chose weekly, that seemed pretty reasonable. I think even in the less than a year that we've been stacking, you've seen that purchasing on a fixed date and a fixed amount has smoothed it out for us quite a bit. 
because while Bitcoin has fluctuated quite a bit, you know, between say 17,000 and 22,000 over the last month, all of our purchases have been pretty much right at about 20,000, uh, 19, 20,000. So DCA has certainly smoothed that out for us. Of course, we started in July during the middle of the halving bulls, bull run. So uh, we are underwater on our average cost basis. But the great thing about Bitcoin being cheap and the great thing about DCA is we bought on the way up, but we're also buying on the way down. And every purchase now, we're stacking a little bit more in the way of in the number of sats than we were previously. I think uh, we've purchased 97,000, almost 98,000 sats last week. Uh, whereas when Bitcoin hit its all-time high, we were only getting $29,000 or 29,000 sats for that $20. So that's the beauty about dollar cost averaging. They say that time in the markets beats timing the markets. Of course, Bitcoin tends to run in four-year cycles. So uh, you should have a long time horizon with Bitcoin, but you should also have a long time horizon with DCA. The whole thing with dollar cost averaging is it is a long-term investment strategy. Uh, it's a, it's kind of playing the averages over time. For example, you know, if you flip a coin, you have a 50-50 chance of it being heads or tails. But that doesn't mean if you flip a coin 100 times, you're going to get 50 heads and 50 tails. You could get 75 heads and 25 tails. You know, it's random chance. But the more times you flip that coin, eventually it's going to work out to that average of 50-50. Uh, there was actually a pretty good movie. I think what's called Jerry and Marge Go Large, and it's got you know Brian Cranston. Walter White Heisenberg from Breaking Bad in it. And it's a feel-good movie. It's um, not, not, not what they call a chick flick, but it's a cute feel-good movie. Um, and the idea was it's based on a true story where he had discovered a flaw in, um, in, in, a, in a lottery game where it, the odds would be in your favor if you invested a certain amount of money. You were guaranteed to more than break even. And so uh, he and his little town all formed a lottery pool and they... They bought something like, you know, starting in the ten dollars or $14,000 of the lottery tickets. And after a certain amount of money, uh, they would make more money every time until that lottery game finally came to an end. It's an interesting movie, but it illustrates the law of averages. And the same thing applies with dollar cost averaging. If Bitcoin continues to go up into the right in the long term, which it always has, and which if you're a Bitcoin believer, you, you believe it will, I believe it will, um, Nothing's guaranteed in life, but if Bitcoin performs the exact same way it always has for its entire history, it runs in cycles, but continues. If you zoom out, it will be worth more in four years than it is today, even more in 10 years than it was today. So dollar cost averaging will take advantage of that and let you build a stack over time that will hopefully be uh, worth more than you invested. And for that stack... Uh, as I said, I, I did this stack yesterday while I was on the road. We purchased at what was then $20,038.54 per coin. That scored us an additional 97,562 sats. And that brought our stack up to 2,360,837 sats. So we've stacked uh 2.3 million sats, more than 2.3 million sats in less than a year at just $20 a time. Uh, and that that's pretty amazing. You know, a lot of people say, "Are we? am I too late? Or I only have $100 to invest. Is it worth even investing such a little amount? And, you know, if you 
thought, well, I've only got $100. It's only going to buy me, you know, X number sats. That doesn't seem like a lot. But if you said um, over a year at just $20 a whack every Wednesday, uh, you would have 2.3 million sats. All of a sudden that adds up. You know, if Bitcoin were to ever hit the moon one day, uh, you know, that magic $1 million a coin mark that people like to say it, it might hit one day, maybe uh, sooner than later, depending on, you know, what your personal beliefs are, uh, that 2.3 million sats would be worth $23,000, $23,608 to be exact. Uh, and that is a heck of a return for just $20 at a whack. So, uh, you know, Bitcoin, I'm a firm believer, is either going to, it's an all or nothing proposition as far as I'm concerned. Either it's going to the moon or something unforeseen is going to come along and destroy it. I think the, every day that Bitcoin is alive, the chances of it going to zero are smaller. Um, I am not surprised at all to see it in the $20,000 range because Bitcoin has always had its 80% drawdowns after a bull run. And the fact that we didn't hit 100,000 meant that we were going to go below 20. That's just logical. Uh, you know, 80% drawdown of 100,000 would be 20. And we had an 80% drawdown. We're going to have an 80%-ish drawdown from 69,000. So that's obviously meant we were going to go under 20,000. Um, that is not shocking. If you have been following Bitcoin, this is expected. It's just like that old YouTube video, the beam from... Uh, probably it's more than four years ago it was an old video last in 2027 but the you know this one time bitcoin went from a dollar to two dollars and then it crashed and then another time it went from you know like a hundred dollars to two thousand dollars and then it crashed so the moral of the story is don't buy bitcoin because you know it's going to crash and obviously he's being tongue-in-cheek it's it's funny but that's just the way bitcoin rolls so this is your opportunity hopefully you're hopefully you're stacking those sats uh where was i so uh, we've built our stack to 2.3 million sats, and we have lowered our average cost basis to $41,510.70 a coin. That is a down another $905 from last week. So the great thing about Bitcoin being down is three weeks in a row now, we've lowered our average purchase price by almost $1,000. Uh, and so uh, that is awesome. And I am looking forward to getting that average cost basis down under $40,000. Uh, unless Bitcoin goes on a tear, you know, by the end of this summer, we'll be in the mid-30s for our average cost basis. So when Bitcoin breaks that $69,000 all-time high and sets that new all-time high, uh, you're going to be wishing you had purchased at $40,000, let alone at $18,000 or $20,000. All right, a little bit of business real quick. Obviously, we do not have any sponsors for our show, but uh, there is a, a commercial that sometimes runs at the beginning, and that is because we're using um, Anchor FM by Spotify to uh, record and host our podcast. Of course, it's available on any podcast app that you choose, including the Podcasting 2.0 apps, such as the Fountain app and the Breeze Wallet. And if you don't know what Podcasting 2.0 is, it is really cool. It's the value for value model. It lets you stream sats to your favorite podcast or not. You can still listen for free. But if you want to support your favorite apps, much like you might support your favorite street musician by, you know, putting a couple dollars in the hat as you listen, uh, you can do so. You can stream a fixed amount 
per minute, say a sat per minute to your favorite uh, favorite podcast, or you can hit the boost and just send a one-time tip. And that is how those uh, messages, like, like the one I read, get sent because because it is over the Lightning Network, a boost is actually a message. So uh, you can send a message with a tip. And if it is not something obscene or completely off the wall, uh, I intend to read them on our podcast like I did uh, the last one. So um, again, I'm not Marty Bent. I'm not going to read a hexadecimal code out or I'm not going to say something obscene 10,000 times in a row like he has done uh, for their shout outs on the Tales from the Crypt or Rabbit Hole Recap podcast. But, uh, you know, be reasonable. And if you if you if you do support us with the boost, I will read your message on the on the following podcast. And as much as you would think that people aren't willing to aren't willing to part with their precious Satoshis, people have been supporting us. And that's really cool. It's neat to open the fountain app and to see um, a few more sats here meaning someone listened to my show and someone had appreciated it. And so that's really cool. Thank you very much. And thank you. I'm not going to dox your name, but thank you um, to the uh, listener who sent us that boost message that I read at the beginning of this episode. If you like listening to the show and you want to support us, there are a number of ways you can do so. First and foremost, uh, as I mentioned, we are available at, uh, we are, we are, we record our podcast and we are hosted by the anchor.fm by Spotify and we're using the the anchor.fm app to record right now uh, and there is a way you can support us directly through anchor.fm and that link is included in the show notes whether you're listening on your favorite podcast you just scroll down with the show notes and there's links in the bottom one is that support link uh, it's also available on, on the video version on YouTube which we usually post a little bit later so you get audio first of course, please follow us on Twitter. We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. And if you feel so inclined, you can tip us via Twitter. Again, listening on the Fountain app or your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, uh, you can support us that way. Uh, you can also support us by some referral links that we have in the show notes. As you know, I've been doing all of our stacks using the Cash app, and there's a Cash app referral link in the show notes. If you don't have Cash app and you want to use Cash app, clicking on that link and signing up, they give you $5 free and we'll get $5 as well. There's also a referral link for Strike. If Strike is available where you're at, I intend to get into Strike on one of these episodes because there's a, some neat features of Strike uh, that are unique to Strike. Like if you want to pay some, if you want to pay for something in Bitcoin, if you want to encourage Bitcoin use by asking your local restaurant or your even just your waiter, hey, can I tip you in Bitcoin? And you don't want to, you don't want to use your stack you can actually use Strike to send U.S. dollars from uh, whatever you have linked to your Strike account, like let's say your debit card, and you want to tip somebody ten bucks, uh, tip your waiter ten bucks. You can put that ten dollars on Strike and then send it to a Lightning address or a Bitcoin address, and the receiver will get Bitcoin. And so you can spend Bitcoin, give somebody Bitcoin, promote Bitcoin without eating into your stack. And more importantly, you didn't actually touch Bitcoin, so. Uh, there's no capital gains event for you, at least not in the United States. All you did was spend money. So that's really cool. And we do have a striker for a link in the show notes as well. That You actually get a little bit more. You get $10 if you click that link and sign up and uh, follow their criteria. And I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but basically it's sign up and use strike. And you'll get 10 bucks free for doing so, and we'll get 10 bucks as well. As you know, if you've been listening, I've also written a couple of books. 
Um, they're all available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, but the one that's most relevant to this show is Understanding Bitcoin for Noobs. I wrote that back in 2017. I'm getting ready to do an update of that book at a couple of things that have nothing's really changed about Bitcoin. There's been some a few improvements here and there, but you know it was four years ago. So, um, but it is a short book. It is a it is not a very technical book at all. It's as the title implies. It's understanding Bitcoin for noobs. And if you are new to Bitcoin and want to breeze through the basics, or if you want to help orange pill a friend, it's a pretty good primer, in my humble opinion, explaining what is Bitcoin, what are wallets, what is the mining process in non-technical terms for noobs. Uh, of course, if you purchase any of my books, that will help me as well, and I would appreciate that. So thank you for those of you who have or will in the future. Also, if you do want to tip us Bitcoin on chain, there is a Beish32 address in the show notes. Uh, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, that's the QR code in the bottom left corner if you wanted to tip us Bitcoin directly. And if you've been enjoying listening to this podcast, again, you can send us a boost on the Fountain app and let us know what you think, and we'll, we'll try and read that on the next episode. But you can also contact us, again, through Twitter. We're at BTC Bulletin Pod. And email, we are bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Again, don't forget to join us this Wednesday and every Wednesday, except for today, which happens to be Thursday. And again, I'm sorry uh, for that. But uh, don't forget to join us at least for our DCA Wednesday episodes. Until then, keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>